Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Caproletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we're here today to take it all the way back to 2012 for A Mother's Nightmare. This was so good. This really held up. Now, we don't normally do movies... I would say five years is probably our limit in how yeah. far we stretched back into the past. Mm-hmm. But this one was worth it. Oh. The reason we don't normally go that far back in the past is because the pacing tends to be a little slower. Mm-hmm. If you watch an old made-for-TV movie, let's say you go back, you know, one of those relics from the 90s, the pacing tends to be really slow. There tends to be a moral they're very after-school special. Yeah. And that's not my Like favorite. Dying to Belong with two-time Oscar winner Hilary Swank. Never seen it, but I know what it's about, I think. She won two Oscars, entirely right? Entirely on the title. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, we're not here for... Hilary Swank was not part of my trivia this week, so <laughs> I have right. no idea. <laughs> so this movie, actually, I thought the quality of it was... Oh, wait. Should we tell them what it's about? I think we should. Okay, so the... Basic premise is that Annabeth Gish is the mother yes. of the mother's nightmare. Her name, Matt, thinks it's Maggie. Maddie, I think. Maddie. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everyone knows I have absolutely no idea what her name is. <laughs> um, I know her real life name. I don't know her character's name. So, Annabeth Gish is the mother to Chris, played by Grant Gustin. Mm-hmm. Is it Gustin or Gustin? Who cares? Um, I say that like I actually know. I've never heard his name pronounced before in my life. Grant, whatever. Um, he's the Flash. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that what he is? Yeah, he actually plays the Flash on TV. Oh. Not to spoil trivia, but we've got some exciting trivia coming up, and all due to Grant, he did not provide any of it. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts, folks. So, Annabeth Gish is the mother of Chris, played by Grant Gustin, and... He has recently been dumped, and then... And very depressed about it. Yes, he's very depressed, and his parents are getting divorced, and so he's depressed about many things. He was at risk of failing his junior year by skipping so many days, and suddenly, Vanessa, with two ends, played by Jessica Loundis, moves to town, mm-hmm. and it gets dark. She is the siren he has seemingly been waiting for, and boy, does he pay for it. Yes. She's beautiful. Yes. She has a very, um, to me, she has a very Megan Fox energy. The dark hair, light eyes. The dark hair, the light eyes. If I were so inclined to use such crass terminology, I would call her a smoke show. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been spending time on Barstool lately? (laughs) (laughs) She's undeniably hot. She's... You know, Maxim top 100 hot. She's a hottie. Um, she didn't make it on the the new 90210, right? She did make it on the new 90210. Her character name was not familiar to me. And also, again, once I give you the other trivia, you're really not going to care about anything that's happened with Jessica Lambus, Grant Gustin, or Annabeth Gish. Annabeth Gish has had a pretty great career, and you mm-hmm. still won't care about anything that's happened to her, because okay. everything I'm going to tell you is so exciting. <laughs> so, Vanessa, two ends, is a mother's nightmare. She's tempting Chris to skip practice, and to skip school, and to do drugs, and to drink too much. And oh, by the way, his 
father who is about to divorce his mother has an alcohol issue. and He has the hereditary disposition, he believes, to be an alcoholic. So he stays away from alcohol yeah. until she forces it on yeah. him and then the drugs. And then there's some self-harm. Yeah. I don't know enough about self-harm to speak knowledgeably about that. So I don't know how much we're going to talk about that. I don't want to be insensitive yeah. to the issue. I'm, I'm admitting I... I don't know enough to to speak about it. And when, and the character Vanessa in this film, clearly having been a ward of the state for much of her life yes. and being shuttled, I think it was said that her character was in nine foster homes in 12 sure. years. She, Her mother died when she was six, killed herself when her daughter was six, and she came in on it, yeah. on her mother's body. And then went into foster care. There are also some pretty odd ideas about mental health in this. Uh They use a term for the mental health issue that they claim her mom had that led to her committing suicide, and I've never heard it before. I don't think it was a real thing. And then they claim the daughter has it, too. Yeah. The daughter might have mental health issues, but she also is doing PCP. So I think we've got some other... Yeah. We've got, you know, I mean... Anyways, this movie is fun despite how we started out on this. Right, yes. Um, And the reason it's fun, there are a lot of reasons why it's fun. It's so odd. It's fast-paced. It's fast-paced. The acting is good. Yeah. I had no quibbles with the acting. There are some names here. There are some names. There are just as many weird writing choices as you want. Mm. Again, I can't stress this enough. If it sounds like we're criticizing these movies, we're not. I think the choices that are made are fun. They're weird, but they're always fun. For example, this would not make it into a Hollywood rom-com, but their meet-cute involves her dropping all of her papers. That's pretty standard fodder, but she Mm -hmm. has purposefully dropped her papers and kind of made it look like a classmate was assaulting her or being lechy yeah. in order to be a damsel in distress. Jake. So, so Chris will come help. Uh-huh. And she manufactures this damsel in distress moment. Chris comes over and he's helping her pick up the papers and he glances down. And then he says he's not looking at her breasts. Oh, yeah. And she goes, hey, that's what they're there for. Yeah. That's their meat cue. It is. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and to follow things up, he immediately blows off track practice to hang out with this woman he's just met. Yes. He also tells her that he goes to the school they're presently standing outside of to show that he's being slightly awkward around her because she's so hot. Here's the other thing, though. I think he's attractive. Oh, by the way, we're talking about these people in very objectifying ways. They're in, like, their mid to late 20s when they film this movie. Yeah. Like, and it's not even a question of if... There are other characters, like, the ex-girlfriend looks like she could be in her early 20s. We're not going to talk about her looks. Yeah. But the main two characters are so obviously in their mid to late 20s when this movie was filmed. Yeah. That it's... I don't feel weird saying that they're both attractive right. and haven't been inside of a high school in the better part of a decade. Sure. Okay, so... Except for this one, which is Fairview Heights High School, home of the Marmots. 
Yes. Which was a nice little tidbit. So now that we've set up the basic premise in the most circuitous and convoluted way possible, what did you love? I loved, well, the pacing of it. Yes. The fact that Vanessa drove Chris down the wrong path so quickly, so thoroughly. Yes. And we are introduced to her past with two previous boyfriends. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember when we watched this years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we saw it in 2012, but maybe a year or two after that. And you and I talking about it as being kind of a swim fan element to it. Yeah, there's there because she's essentially trying at each point to recreate her romance with the previous person who she caused to kill or yeah. caused to die. Yeah. Now, swim fan, I think the kid just dies in a car crash and she develops a fixation. Right? Doesn't her character doesn't hasn't caused the car accident? The previous, yeah. But in in these ones, in the lifetime ones, usually the person has caused. Yeah. So the last one, Kale, OD'd and committed suicide from doing PCP. Yeah. The one before him, Randy, I believe he did angel dust and died. Uh Uh-huh. That was an actual terminology that's used. If you ask me what drug angel dust is, I have no clue, but I'm guessing PCP again. Yeah. PCP widely available? I I didn't think this was like a common drug. I don't know. It's not 1975. But anyways, I would like to say that Vanessa is basically a junior Black Widow. She's like a promise ring Black Widow. (laughs) Because she's killed two men. No, correction. She's killed two boys in high school. And Uh she's working on her third. That's a prolific track record. Okay, so continuing, you were saying. Um, What else? Oh, this job that she had. Working at... What was the place called? Oh, I don't remember. It was some. It was something it, it, punny. Yeah, and it was a dog groomer. Yeah, it was. I did not bother writing it. Oh, down. it was groom and board. Groom and board. Yeah, yeah. there we go. But <laughs> her role there seems to be part dog groomer, part photographer. Yes, is that a common position? As she was taking as a, a Sears portrait photo of a little girl with, with her, her dog. dog. Yeah. Yes, and there it's a very odd dog groomer. We've spent all our money on those three people. We've spent all our money on Annabeth Gish, Jessica Landis, and Grant Gustin, and we have no money for any other yes. minor characters. She doesn't. There's no one else ever at the dog groomers, so she's there and. There's a pantry. There's a frosted glass door in this dog groomer's that says pantry on it. Yeah. Which I feel like, in terms of set design, we could have just hung a little sign over it that was like, break room. Yeah. (laughs) Or restroom. Something, you don't have a pantry at a dog groomer's. What, to keep all the dog biscuits? Come on. Mm -hmm. Very weird. Anyways, continuing. So you liked her job. I can't say that I liked this, but it was an interesting portion of the plot. Mm-hmm. Slash creepy. Mm-hmm. The fact that Vanessa, in recurring moments, kept singing this lullaby that her mom had apparently taught her about, I love, I'll love you till I die. We later see... I'm the lifeblood running through your veins. Yes. And she sings it. With the thinnest 
echoeyest voice. It sounds like a song from a horror movie that should be playing in the background. And then you see like an empty crib in an attic <laughs> that's covered in cobwebs rocking back and forth. It, yeah, it was just very... And the fact that we we learn later in the film that she gave it to Chris on a mix CD. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Can I I tell you? It's not going to come up in trivia. Uh The most shocking piece of trivia that I'm not going to give you is that Jessica Landis actually has songs. Oh, yeah. I assumed. Now, as you all know, I like an attractive person and an entertainer. I make no secret of that. I like an attractive pop star, don't we all? Yeah, it's part of the package. Awesome. See also Dream Girls. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes talent is outshined by or outshone by marketability. <laughs> Wasn't that the whole thing? She's kind of heavier, yeah, but she's got the pipes. Yeah, and then she gets yeah ousted by the. Mm-hmm chic one who also has a nice voice but arguably not as good yeah good but not as good yeah yeah you want the whole package anyways she's very attractive the songs are the song in the movie or jessica lounges oh all of them let's include the song in the movie Mm -hmm. she is not hot enough to distract you from how bad her voices. <laughs> and there was one in particular of her songs that I thought was quite catchy, like the the background. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, with an, a different voice, this background music uh-huh. could be quite interesting. Yeah. Yes, the voice was horrifying. <laughs> Horror movie quality. Well, haunting and, and and sometimes haunting is means like something sticks with you for a long time. I mean haunting in in the other way. <laughs> like, yeah, like horror movie. Sure, and, uh, along with the lyrics. Yes, it, I don't want to hear anything about like being eternally bonded or like being the blood in your veins. Right. Blood generally is not sexy or romantic to me. While they're exchanging blood. Yeah, so there's That's a scene. There's a scene at the very end of the movie where she gets him. She wants him to die, and so she gets him to cut himself with a razor blade. And she's like singing. I think she sings the song, then, right? Yeah, she is. And he's like passing out from lack of blood, and we're shown like gratuitous blood. Let's yeah. get off of that because neither of us really like that. Yeah. What I want to talk about is that. There's a scene where she talks to her mom at her mom's gravesite, clutching the gravestone, yes. which is a cross, like hugging it and uh-huh. talking to the gravestone. Now, I know a lot of people, like part of why we have graves is that people like a place where they can go to remember the person who's passed. Yeah. I've never seen someone clutch a gravestone as if it were a body. Yeah. But the weirdest part of it is that her mom's grave is so old. The stone is so old and cracked that it looks like she died in, like, 1901. Uh Is Vanessa actually a vampire? (laughs) There's so much blood in this movie. And it looks like her mom died, like, a century ago. Mm -hmm. It was covered in moss. Yeah. You know when you see, like, gravestones in Salem, Massachusetts that are for, like, the witch trials? Yeah. Not the witches, obviously. They were not given gravestones, I don't think. But 
other people who died at the time. Goody Proctors, if you will. <laughs> I don't, I've not read that book, but I'm saying that just for Matt. Um, like that, like people who had names like that. That era of Gravestone is what sure. we're talking about. It was yeah. so old. Um, mm-hmm. Very weird. Anyways, continue. I, why am I saying continue? I was talking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's all I wanted to talk about. What did you think about that scene? Uh, yeah, no, the way that she was hugging it was almost unnatural, unnaturally so in the way that one would hug a stuffed animal. But like one of those full body stuffed animal pillows, <laughs> like pillow pets. Or like those romantic body pillows that people get in like the shape of Chris Pine. Is that a person? Yes. Or, like one of the Hemsworth pillows. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, she was, like, clinging to it for dear life. Yeah. Um, you don't typically see... Well, I don't know. what I say that as if I'm, like, hanging around cemeteries. Yeah. And I see people in old cemeteries at that. I'm not. You know, I can't, I can't remember the last time I've been in a cemetery. Although we did recently get a recommendation for a date, a date night to go to Little Italy in Cleveland and to go to a cemetery. That's right, we did. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe we'll clutch a great. We'll pick a random gravestone and clutch I'd it. Say this one's for you, Vanessa. Talk, talk to the gravestone. <laughs> I think the last thing that I want to highlight, sure. and obviously I want to highlight it, is the fact that Chris is supposed to be some sort of track star. Yes. Get into it. I need to talk before you talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, if we were doing with like alternate titles for this podcast, <laughs> I need to talk before you talk <laughs> is not a bad <laughs> alt title. <laughs> but, but what I asked Matt is one of the track practices is shown, and the men are wearing basketball shorts that extend below the knee and are worn with underwear shown underneath, like sagging basketball shorts Uh that hit Mm mid-butt. It's a popular style for high school students, you know? Yeah. And I'm not Bill Cosby here. I'm not saying, (laughs) for a variety of reasons, I'm not saying, like, young men, pull up your pants. I'm saying my... Only familiarity with running is Matt. And Matt and I used to go to the gym like 150 years ago. (laughs) And I would be wearing soccer shorts from the 90s that were, you know, comfortably mid-thigh, maybe lower. Let's say a five-inch inseam. And Matt would be wearing like an inch and a half inseam. Like like Richard Simmons. (laughs) Or no, is that the guy? Yeah, Richard Simmons. Sweating to the oldies. Except Matt was sprinting to the oldies. <laughs> and so my familiarity with running is like you and then professional like Olympians. Who, yeah. Well, I guess that's redundant to say professional Olympians. They're just Olympians. Mm-hmm. Who all wear quite short shorts. To compete. To compete. Yeah. Would you wear... Basketball shorts, sagging mid-tush to run in. I My thought was, like, that would be hard to run in and that the, the shorts would either descend below tush 
or return to rightful place at above Tish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. Rightful place makes it sound like I care where you wear your pants. Yeah. To be clear, again, not Bill Cosby. Don't care where you wear your pants. Wear wear them at your ankles for all I care. Yeah. So long as you're jumping. But you might not want to want. You might not want to be holding them up while you're running. Yes. If that's a concern. Um, but to your point, I only started wearing shorts that were of traditional runners' leather in college. Let's call them sweat into the oldies. Sweat into the oldies. In high school. I would wear that size short for competition, really? but well, it was the 90s. I went to high school in the 90s, and I learned when I went to college that college runners wore real running shorts. And I might have had like one or two pairs of real running shorts, but then the rest of my shorts were probably, some of them might have been knee length, and some of them were maybe like a little bit above the knee. I'm going to say to you the same thing I said to Vanessa Marcel. You got the gams. <laughs> you got to show them off. Well, that's what I learned in college. <laughs> give me that. Give me that full thigh, right to upper thigh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to illustrate, there were some people, maybe not in high school, but on my junior high track team, who showed up in airwalks. You know, I I can't judge that because I've seen people run on the treadmill before in Chuck Taylors, uh-huh. and my thought is always like, that's gotta hurt. That can't be the right shoe for that activity. Yeah. But if you if it works for you, I don't care. I mean, if you were a, a 90s skate kid, that's from high I gotta imagine an airwalk is better than a chuck, but that's yeah. just, you know, I, I've never tried to run in anything, so. <laughs> False. I've seen you run plenty of times in the past couple of days. Yes, I only run when chased by a niece or nephew. <laughs> right. And then it's like half speed. Because they're little and relatively easy to evade. Sure. The track part. Yes. Apart from the shorts. Yes. The the other thing that I wanted to touch on. I completely lost interest after the shorts, so go ahead. (laughs) Was, it seems like from the beginning of the film, Chris is just skipping track practice every day. Every day. But he's also skipping school so much. Yeah. You can't skip, like, every day, and you're not going to get into trouble. There are state requirements about yeah. how many days you can skip uh-huh. before you start to get in trouble. And I would assume sure. that there are practice requirements for how many days practice you would attend before they'd be like, well, you're not even really on the team. Yeah, right. When he does finally show up to practice. Yes. And it's a day after he spent the evening at the dog kennel, groom and board... And Vanessa's plied him with whiskey, right? Yes. She forced him to drink whiskey even though he said he didn't want to. Yeah. And so he's still probably hungover. And he shows up to track practice. And his coach is like, all right, Stuart, let's see if you can still run that 440. Yeah, it's Chris Stewart. Um, Now, I said I wanted you to tell me about a 440 in the most succinct way possible. So what does that mean? It could mean... Either of two things. Okay. Either he... I already don't like that there are two things. That's less succinct than that. Well, right. He could be a miler. Okay. And run 440 for the mile. You mean in like four minutes and 40 40 seconds? seconds. Okay. Or... Is that common? Uh, It sounds pretty quick. For for like a good high school kid, yeah. Really? Okay. What about for a kid who like... 
just got dosed with PCP by his girlfriend. <laughs> All the more remarkable. Okay. So a 440 mile. The alternative is what? The alternative is 440 as the name of the race. And, oh God, we're getting so on the weeds. Well, no. The, the reason is, is because, and this doesn't make sense. 400 meters would be the race, but it used to be 440 yards in like okay. the 70s. Okay. Because we see him running, not even on a track, but on the grass of a football or soccer field sure. with some cones. I really did think it was going to be that he was on the soccer team. I really buy him as a soccer yeah. player more than a runner, but anyways. Yeah, he's got that floppy hair. and mm-hmm. But before he just runs, and they stop practice so he can do this time trial or what have you. Let's see what you got, Stuart. And he notices Vanessa and Jake just making out up against a tree yes. and just runs out of practice and and goes to see what... Do you think he did it in four minutes and 40 seconds, though? The coach might not care if he hit that time. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he was running for maybe like 40 yards. <laughs> now, Vanessa clearly had staged that moment so he would see. Yeah. And so he would get upset. Mm-hmm. I would describe her as a relatively clingy and needy person because he doesn't skip track practice one day to spend time with her at groom and board. And so she she hooks up with another guy in the woods in front of him. They're still dating, by the way. Yeah. She's just like, it's so mad that she hooks up with. And this she's other guy. She's a mother's nightmare, but she's also a boyfriend's nightmare. She's not a terribly good boy or girlfriend. I mean, as soon as you start dosing people, it's hard to be a good girlfriend. But sure. beyond that, there's the cheating and the forced self-harm and yeah. you know there's a lot to not like about her the singing the, <laughs> do you think her singing is the most objectionable <laughs> thing she does in the movie i'm not sure well she is making out with jake the school don juan who no, prances like about with school, a cigarette he's behind like his ear sexual predator he like <laughs> he acts super creepy throughout yeah, right I don't. I wouldn't call him Don Juan. Don Juan implies that like the woman wants to hook up with you, and you've seduced her. Mm. He gave me like date rape energy. Sure, it's bad energy. Okay, so what? Any other thoughts about running? No. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we've got to talk about the climactic scene at least briefly. Yes. So in the climactic scene, he is on crutches because she's asked her drug dealer and his group of, I don't know, criminals or whatever you want to call it, his group of associates to beat up Chris. Yeah. And they beat him up so badly he ends up in the hospital and he's on crutches. Right. So perfect time for a hike. Yeah. <laughs> so they go on a hike and she keeps talking about cherry soda that she wants him to drink. Yeah. You have to be a little suspicious at some point. She was acting like the old crone in Snow White and like she was holding out cherry soda instead of an <laughs> apple. Now, granted, there's nothing crone-like about Jessica Loundis, and that might be the first time crone has been uttered in the same sentence as her name. But, but she talks about it too many times. The number of times a person can mention a food item before I get suspicious, unless it is a homemade food item, but even still, if it's a homemade food item, Mm -hmm. 
you get to mention the food item two times. And if you mention it more times than that in the span of five minutes, I'm suspicious. Mm -hmm. She mentions cherry soda the number of times that you would think it was like sponsored content if she had actually used a brand name. You know what I mean? But it was just generic cherry soda. Yeah. So it wasn't sponsored content. It was spiked content. Yes. With PCP. Yeah. So you know it's PCP because once he drinks it, he starts to talk about how he feels like he's flying and he's talking about birds. Yes. And that's how they indicate that he's high. Yeah. And then she has him cut himself with a razor so that he can prove his love. Because there have been a lot of instances where she like guilt trips him to make him feel like he has to prove his love. The first example of that is skipping all of those track practices to go to groom and board to keep her company. Yeah. And if he doesn't, it means he doesn't love her. She's, like, constantly setting up tests. And school, like, he skips an English exam. Yeah. So she says he has to prove his love by cutting himself. And because he's high, he cuts himself many times. And he, like, thinks it's cool to look at the blood. And he's, like, bleeding out. And she says, or he says to her, Now do you believe I love you? And she murmurs, You're all the same. Yeah. And takes the blade and wipes it. By the way, I don't think wiping the blade would... If if the cops find that blade, you can have wiped it down with a cloth all you want. Shh, but there is going to be something on there that they find. Yeah. So she takes the blade and she takes back the ring that she had given to her previous boyfriends who she killed as well. Mm-hmm. Which looks like he won some sort of sport championship. It is like the biggest... Ruby. It's like class rings seen. by Justin's. Yes. Also, like, we're led to believe she's been in these hard circumstances. The first thing I would do if I was in terribly hard circumstances is pawn the ring of the father who abandoned me. Yeah. For whatever food or whatever I needed. Because he abandoned you mm-hmm. and then your mom committed suicide and he didn't even care or find out like it's not like he was calling her like he left the mom but he was still calling to check on you no he left both of you so he can take that ring right to the pawn shop and you can get the cash yeah but so she takes this ring back and whispers now you won't be able to hurt anyone else yeah (laughs) and fortunately annabeth gish arrives just in the nick of time to this hike because clearly Vanessa has staged it so that it would look like he committed suicide Uh under a tree. Oh, did we mention that this was inspired by a true story? We did not. What true story was this inspired by? I gotta ask Vic, the director, whatever his name was. Anyway, so Annabeth Gish saves her son and they're walking by a wharf talking about how much they love each other. And then Jessica Landis... We cut to her at the end. She's in a hospital. Some sort of mental health facility. And the orderly comes in. Excuse me. I have to talk before (laughs) you talk again. We're forgetting something super important. What's that? We're changing the title of this show. It's going to be whatever I said earlier. I need to talk before you talk. (laughs) 
starring Matt and Elizabeth, but mostly Elizabeth. You're not coming first. Starring Elizabeth and Matt, and Elizabeth is followed by like a hundred spaces. And Matt is like way later, and he gets like two sentences or two spaces, and Elizabeth gets like a huge. I'm in like 20 point font and you're in like 12 point font the whole space, sucking all the air out of the room as I always do. That's why we leave the door open when we record, because I'm sucking all the oxygen out of here. No, but I need to mention something super important about that climactic scene with Chris Loundis and Jessica. No, with whatever. With Chris Who and cares? Vanessa. Who cares? With Chris and Vanessa. Um, <laughs> the ambulance shows up. And he is bleeding out from his arm. His arm, his uh, left arm is like covered in yeah. cuts and uh-huh. blood. And his face is now pale. He's obviously bleeding out. It looks like a vampire movie. Yeah. And the first thing the ambulance, the EMT does is use a defibrillator. Yes. On and then after, like well after, as kind of an afterthought. They might even have him on the stretcher about to get into the ambulance. They wrap his arm. Yeah. Like, at the very end. Now, I'm not saying I know when the defibrillator comes into play for someone who's bleeding out. It probably does come into play. It might be the first thing you do. But if there are two EMTs, which there were, I have to assume if one of them is doing the defibrillator, the arm's being wrapped, too. The arm is not being wrapped. You would hope, as an afterthought. It's later. Okay, so now, what were you saying? I think we were talking about what We're talking about the end of the film. Yes. So when we cut to Vanessa in this psychiatric hospital, Mm -hmm. and she's being delivered a meal, and the orderly accidentally tips over the juice on her tray, and they have this little exchange, right? Yes. She's hitting on him. Yeah. And he, she's looking at a picture of herself and her mother. Yes. And her father. Mm-hmm. And what they want us to believe is that each of the men she, junior black widows, she has chosen because they look like her father. Right. Now, the flaw in this is that they do not look close enough to her father. No. Grant Gustin, he is quite slim. Yeah. To me, he has like... High school soccer body. I mean, he's an adult. The dad had, like, hockeyer football body. He had, like, a stockier body. Is that because Jessica Lowndes is Canadian? Maybe. He had... What's the name of that coffee shop they have that they love so much? Tim Hortons. He had, like, Tim Hortons, (laughs) Wayne Gretzky, hockey body. (laughs) You know. Moose maple syrup hockey body. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Canada. As we've said in past episodes, I'm partially French by way of Canada. We had a wonderful time in Montreal. We did. I have nothing but love for Canada. And I'm sure those stereotypes are as real as Americans and cheeseburger and apple pie. Which is to say, I think they're 100% real. We love cheeseburgers. Anyways... Yeah, so the only thing I thought was a little weird was that the dad didn't look close enough. They should have had a picture of a much yeah. slimmer mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I thought that was an interesting twist to be like, what she's really trying to live out is like killing her dad right. for hurting her by leaving her. And then 
I guess they're implying causing her mom's suicide yeah. or just abandoning her and that's enough, mm-hmm. whether the mom committed suicide or not. Isn't the mom presented as like a theater person? Yeah, she's they're, a dancer. They're like, she was a very good dancer. Yeah. They presented her she's as European, having like, right? what you'd call like an artistic temperament, but in quotes, uh, yeah. as like a euphemism for something else. Yeah. Yeah, it was so. It was such a good movie. I thought it was such a good movie. Yeah. Which, by the way, is why I had zero comments about set design and clothing, except for I don't think runners wear shorts like that, and I don't think dog groomers have pantries. But think <laughs> of all of if you've listened to all of our episodes, think of. First of all, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But think of all of the million things I've said mm-hmm. about Corinthian columns. Yes. Yeah. And paintings on the wall and barren kitchens mm-hmm. and women dressed in decades previous clothing and not in like a vintage throwback way, but in like a, you know, depressing baby doll tea kind of way that doesn't work. I always have comments about those things. Mm-hmm. I, if you asked me a single article of clothing Annabeth Gish was wearing, I'd say I think she wore jeans most of the time. Mm-hmm. Which is very kid hardly way. Yes. He wears t shirts. She wears jeans sometimes. I don't remember. And that's that is a testament. That means the pacing of the movie was good. That means the acting of the movie was good. And that means it was odd enough to keep us interested. Because yeah. if I'm not noticing any of the set design and if I'm not noticing any of the costume choices, it's exactly what you want. We said this with Envy. It means that you've let the action take center stage, which yeah. is perfect. Well, I remember when we talked about doing this movie that there was something stark and scary mm-hmm. about what happens yes. to the guy in this movie yeah. as a result of his girlfriend. Yes, he. it is, if we believe this movie, and if it is in fact inspired by a true story, it's a testament to the, I guess, power of teenage hormones mm. that like one could be lured so far from what one's personality had been through the enticement of sex and love. Yeah. Like maybe that's true as an adult too. I guess you can if you're promised if you're sad and then you're given love and sex. Maybe you can be made a different person at any time. But yeah, he goes. I mean, he goes down a real dark path real fast. I mean, they go from like very early in their relationship. They go from like the meet cute with the breasts, but then they have an ice cream date yeah like they go and have ice cream together which is about as wholesome and innocent as you can get yeah and then where we end up is like self-harm and pcp and alcoholism and skipping class and skipping track and his friends have abandoned him because he's acting so different and it just it ends up somewhere so different and dark and seemingly within the span of a few months so it's fast yeah again she's a black widow she worked quick Mm -hmm. So anyways, really good movie. Yeah. Trivia time? Trivia time. So, this is part of a series. Oh. There is A Mother's Nightmare, which we just watched, A Sister's Nightmare, A Daughter's Nightmare, A Wife's Nightmare, A Surrogate's Nightmare, and A Father's Nightmare. Now, I think A Father's Nightmare is the sequel to this. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Annabeth Gish and Jessica Lowndes reprise their roles... Really? In that movie. The characters are listed as... Annabeth is listed as 
Maggie, Maddie, whatever, who cares? And Jessica Loudness is listed as Vanessa slash another name. Uh-huh. So I think she's adopted a new identity, yep. whatever. Now, my hope for that movie, which we are obviously going to watch, in which apologies, it is a huge failure on our part that we have missed the sequel to this movie. I am assuming that the father in a father's nightmare mm-hmm. is Vanessa's father. Hmm. And if it's anyone else, we have an opportunity for a trilogy. Yeah. A biological father's nightmare. <laughs> because I think that, that that feels like the missing piece for her character. Yeah. And it feels like the reason to like have a sequel yeah. is to explore that father-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. Moving on to other trivia that's not just about the series... Jessica Loundes, as you mentioned, was in the new Beverly Hills 90210, and she was also in a movie called Kite Festival of Love. Good luck figuring what that is about. I'm sure it was on Hallmark. And I'm sure it's about exactly what you think it uh-huh. I'm sure it is about a literal kite festival in a small town, and a girl has been working in a big city, but she goes home for the annual kite festival and realizes that small towns are where it's at, and she falls in love with the local, I don't know, wood maker who makes the cross beams of the kites. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. And if that's not the exact movie, Hallmark, I just pitched you that movie, and I want uh, a credit both as the creator of the movie and a little bit of cash. <laughs> you know, take like $20 or something. Anyways, so she has also been in Merry Matrimony, Mm -hmm. spelled like Merry Christmas. Yeah. A December Bride, Magical Christmas Ornaments, Christmas at Pemberley Manor, Rediscovering Christmas, and Too Close for Christmas. She's an equal opportunity Christmas player. She does both Hallmark and Lifetime. Right. I will say, I said to Matt during the movie, I never want to see someone not working. Love to see good people doing good work. Attractive people love to see them. <laughs> want in my made-for-TV movies, I want you to be both good and attractive. I said during the movie, I am not a Jessica Lounda's Christmas advocate. Mm-hmm. I do not want to see her in a cable knit sweater. Legs tucked up underneath her on a cozy sectional, chatting with her mom about the, you know, homemade wrought brass bells concert in town or whatever. (laughs) Again, Lifetime, I just pitched you a a movie concept. I'd like a creator credit and I'd also like $20. It's like six weeks to It's a Wonderful Lifetime, so let's get on. Yeah, I mean, we have genuinely talked about already starting Christmas movies because we have so many we want to do. But there is something energetically about her that works for me so much more as a villain mm-hmm. than as a romantic Christmas lady. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to take her Christmas roles away from her. I'm sure those roles pay well. Great. Whatever. Do I want to see her in them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I want to see our good friend... Bethany Joy Lenz? Always Bethany Joy Lenz, of course. <laughs> but also... Um, oh my god, what is 
name? Meredith Hagner? Always Meredith Hagner. Yes. Yes. I want someone who, like, you know, you want to, like, sit on a couch with, like, a flannel blanket over your legs. And, and a just, mug like, of cocoa. And just, like, gab. Mm-hmm. You know? I want that, like, warm, nurturing energy. Uh-huh. And I'm, I don't know why Jessica Landis doesn't have that for me, but what she does have... And what is also necessary on Lifetime is great villain energy. Mm-hmm. She was pitch perfect in this. Yeah. I want her as a villain in a lot of things. Now, if they want to keep casting her in the Christmas movies because she's so beautiful, fine. I'd prefer she be the villain in the Christmas movies. <laughs> the uh, Victoria. The Victoria character, if yeah. you will. But, you know, if we're casting her as the main because she's so pretty, I get it. But I want her as the villain, mostly. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we've got to move on. I'm talking so much about how attractive she is, but she's really pretty. <laughs> okay, I said that Grant Gustin, I already said that he was the Flash. He was also on Glee. Uh-huh. And interestingly, he had an arc on Beverly Hills. I know to know the new one as well. Oh. So he may have crossed paths with Jessica Lowndes before. Okay, now all the good trivia. This is a page and a half double-spaced, admittedly, of notes about one character, Donald, the foster agency caseworker, okay. has 270 credits. Whoa. He has been on episodes of MacGyver, 21 Jump Street, The Commish. He was in, <laughs> he was in Little Women with Winona Ryder. Uh-huh. But, 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 but. The ones that I wanted to tell you about, his career has taken two separate veins that I consider of note. The first being, he was in Bratz Super Babies. (laughs) Babies is spelled with a Y and a Z. Because Bratz is spelled with a Z. Bratz is spelled with a Z. Like adults. Yes. He was in Bratz Babies Saved Christmas. (laughs) And he was also in Bratz Pampered Pets. Pets has a Z. <laughs> on a similar... Is that a voiceover? Or is... I think so, yeah. Brad's it's not, not, it's right? not, yeah, it's not live action, I don't think. On a similar note to the Pampered Pets... Did I even say his name? His name is Jay Brazo. Okay. Or Brazo. I'm, I'm not sure. Sorry, he played Donald in this. I'm just so excited to get to the things I'm telling you about. On a similar vein as Pampered Pets, he has also been in Airbud. Oh! Airbud Golden Receiver. Yes! Airbud 3 World Pup. <laughs> and Airbud 7th Inning Fit. Oh, yes! But what is more interesting to me than just that... What could be more interesting than 7th Inning Fit? Which is a series Matt is very invested in that we've never seen, but he loves the concept of and the punny names. He has also been in MVP, Most Valuable Primate, which is a movie about a hockey-playing chimp. Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie about uh-huh. dog shows. How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog. Chili Dogs, which is about the Iditarod. Mm-hmm. Snow Dogs. Canine P.I. Sitting Ducks, which is a cartoon TV show about ducks. Dr. Doolittle, Million Dollar Mutt. <laughs> Santa Paws 2, The Santa Pups. <laughs> Super Buddies, which is a superhero dog show. Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. A Christmas Tale, spelled like an animal tale. Uh And My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. 
Oh. So he's hit wow. the animal circuit very hard. That is an impressive body of work. Now do you see why I was typing so much while we were watching this movie? Yes. Just capturing Jay Brazo's career took a beat and, and honestly took a, a half, full half page. Yeah. Double spaced, admittedly, and 13 point font, admittedly. But. With an of like that. What a career. Yeah. He's, I mean, to give him credit, he has 270 credits, frankly. <laughs> He's also been in like really solid, good things, obviously. I mean, Little Women was a very good movie. But I, I, we never mention, we're not mentioning the stuff you get nominated for an Oscar for. We're mentioning your... <laughs> we're mentioning some of it in fresh. We're mentioning the things the that you rather IMDb not list that we love. <clears throat> I mean, he'd probably rather that they didn't list, you know, A Mother's Nightmare. But frankly, it's one of my favorite things he's ever done. I couldn't agree more. That was some good trivia sleuthing, dear. Yes. Well... Jay Brazo was like hitting oil, you know? Yeah. Like, I just tapped it and it was gushing out uh, in those 1920s movies about striking it rich. Oh, yeah. Anything else you'd like to say? No. Okay. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.